One thing I've learned about entrepreneur world is it's a bunch of dudes who pride themselves on their logic but are emotional bitches at the end of the day. One of the reasons I decided to come back to social media <laughs> is here in my garage, just bought this uh, new Lamborghini here. Agent, teacher, guru, guy, an inventor of knowledge. It's Ty Lopez. Even the greatest fall. And even an Elon Musk won't be remembered in 20 years. That's why I say you were talking about following these women or following money Twitter. Make sure the compass is set in the right direction as to where you want to go. 2017, 2018, when you kind of stepped away from that whole world, do you think it was more burnout or boredom? I, at one point, I was like, you know, like Trump and Andrew Tate. I was one of the most Googled people in the world. If you looked on the graph, I was like, don't ever ever want to be one of the, you don't even want to win the top 1,000 most Google pick. First off, the only time I think you want to be that Google, if you're a... So you're coming back for the third wave. I guess what's next business-wise for the personal brand? I, I've got this formula that I've kind of honed down, which any of you, I'll give it to you for free. It's called the... Welcome back to the Stick Talk podcast. We have a super special edition of the show. As you can see, we're not in a regular setup. We're actually out in London right now for a client ascension event. But more importantly, we are here with one of the OGs of our space, one of the greatest internet marketers of all time, a very special guest. So I'd like to welcome Ty Lopez to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And we actually met a couple months ago in Miami at a heat game. One of the best games I've ever been to. <laughs> what a yeah. game. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Butler went crazy at 55 points to beat <laughs> the Bucks. I'm a heat fan. So that was like top sporting experience I've ever been to. But my first question when I met you was first off, you know, dude, it's you. How you doing? Like, what's up? And uh, obviously told you my background with you, like a lot of people met you in your garage yeah. with your Lamborghini, <laughs> been following your stuff there as we got into the internet marketing and mm -hmm. agency space specifically. But then my next question was, dude, what have you been up to? It, it seemed like, you know, you kind of took over the space and then fell off and just, I think a lot of people know that you did a lot of work in the retail market, but you were very casual, like, yeah, I'm traveling, not doing much. I manage like 8,000 employees now. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. So he's been working pretty hard. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to let you fill in the audience on what you've been up to. Yeah, like I've been – that was at the my NFT OG event. Yep. You guys yep. came. Yeah, you came. That was, that was a good game. I love basketball. <laughs> good comeback. Um, but he almost took it all the way. Almost. Uh, not quite. Sorry. 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 <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, like – you know, I started in the internet. I, I built my first campaign in 02. So I built a landing page. I got in this course, Corey Rudel. Um, I can talk about that later. But so I've done lots of stuff in the social media space. I kind of got in in like 2012, 2013, got super big. And, you know, I'm an explorer. There's this cool test this scientist Helen Fisher built. You can find it if you Google Helen Fisher test. It's built, built around your hormones. So it's like dopamine, neuroepinephrine, whatever you have, serotonin. So she told me, Ty, you scored – she's tested like 2 million people. She's like, you got the highest explorer score I've ever seen on earth, which it's not necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just – so dopamine. And I like to do new things. So, you know, I've built businesses in public – and I've been built them kind of more privately and I kind of bounce around in my life. It's a pattern. So now I'm back to doing a lot more with my Ty Lopez brand. I did two or three years was just, I was like, ah, I'm gonna take a break from this. I think it's important to take a break. Like I got my first 
Italian, like Ferrari, Maserati, I think in 06. And then I remember around 11, I was like, you're becoming too materialistic. So I sold all my cars. And that's how I first heard about Uber because I was living up in the Hollywood Hills. And in 2011, if you didn't have a car, you'd call a taxi sometimes. Dude, taxis wouldn't show up. <laughs> like I, sometimes it's like an hour and a half to get a taxi. So, but that's how I remember that phase, 2011. I And I didn't really, I bought my, I went back. So I went like, Epicure, you know, there's a famous saying by Will Durant, a nation's born stoic and dies Epicurean. Mm. So nations are born like tough, you know, before the internet, I was living with the Amish for two and a half years with no electricity, no cars, no, I, I went four and a half years with no indoor toilet. Okay. <laughs> like, so like that was my stoic phase. And then I came back to the city and I bought nightclubs and I was like my Epicurean phase. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh, Ty, did you just like do all this lifestyle women stuff to show off. I was like, dude, I was doing that before I had any social media. So I went to the Epicurean party stage. And then, like I said, 2011, for about three years, I went back to Stoic. Then here in my garage, blew up in 2015 and just was like, you know, it's like you become one of the most Googled people in the world for a while. So that's kind of a weird phase. I'm not sure if that's epic or stoic or whatever, <laughs> but I was like, okay, now I'm gonna go offline. So it's just like a pattern. And I think it's good to break it up, man. I'm not, most entrepreneurs are like very much like, I wanna win, like I'm gonna, like, and that's fine for whatever reason, I don't have that hard wiring. Like, first off, I believe what Charlie Munger says, there's always some dude who's gonna be making more money than you. Mm-hmm. Even last year, you had Elon Musk at the top, he falls, quickly on the Forbes list and Bernard Arnault passes him by like $80 billion. You know what I mean? So to me, I I don't have that drive. I respect people with that drive. I feel like most entrepreneurs do. Some ways I don't fit in with the entrepreneur community because they're like, like, I don't see another dude. I guess I don't have much envy. And, And most entrepreneurs in the space are driven by envy, which I'm not gonna make a judgment call. It is what it is. But you end up, when you're driven by envy, it's a little bit like, I saw Jeff Bezos. He built, he found out who had the biggest yacht. Then he built one slightly bigger, so big they had to take down a bridge in the Netherlands that's been standing for 300 years to to get his it out of the dock. <laughs> like, his wife is still looking at Leo giving him looks. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Maybe I want to, you bring up an interesting point. I do compete on one thing and that I call, I call the good life. Like, so to me, I admire, I, I'm even in business with some people that are on the Forbes list. So I know the billionaires and, you know, I grew up with no money and I had this conception of what the billionaire life was. Now that I know people like that, well, like intimately enough to know the real deal, like they don't win in my scorecard. I have a different scorecard. So maybe, maybe Let's my, talk about that. yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people know you for like, what is it? The four pillars of yes. the good life. And so I'm not sure if you've talked about it a lot recently, but mm-hmm. how has those or that framework changed over the years and where are you most focused now? Like in what area of the four pillars? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I've changed the number. Sometimes I'm like, there's seven pillars, but I always go back to four. Okay. Seven's harder to remember, <laughs> right? So, but 
health, wealth, love, happiness seems to me the strongest framework. So like I always, there's a good mental framework you can do, which is what would you teach your son? What would you teach your daughter? And then whatever you would teach them, make sure you're doing it. Because for example, dating a crazy chick, like if your son came home, like he's 21, hot, but nuts girl, <laughs> what are you gonna tell him? You're gonna be like, you, I would probably say the old saying, most dangerous thing on earth is a, is a crazy person with a beautiful face. And you try to steer your son away from that, right? So, so anyway, giving that self-talk to myself, you ask like, what am I focused on the four pillars, health, wealth, love, happiness? My advice to my bloodline is it's better to bring them up all simultaneously then let like health be here and then wealth raise up and then be like, I'm in my wealth phase. And then you try to bring the health up, social and love life suffers. I've done all those. In general, it's better to, to my Alan Nation, my second mentor, this genius guy that nobody knows, but some people know him, but he used to say, Ty, it's better to, to creep forward through accumulation than to try to leap forward. Mm. So it's, be, it's better to creep than leap. So you're 22 years old, you're watching. I, I see now like money Instagram and money TikTok is nuts. I, I, like I don't even follow it. And now the algorithm's so good. If you follow that shit, like I used to have my favorite Instagram feed. The algo was like basketball, nature, comedy. That I think, by the way, is the best one. So like, like I didn't fall, like I like basketball, you know, it was one of those flow state sports where I grew up. I'm not tall, but I grew up my, when I was 13, my, so I, I played soccer when I was young and I was actually getting pretty good. I was like all state in California. So like a lot of Latin people. So it was like soccer's big. 13, 12 and a half, 13 years old. My stepdad gets a transfer. He worked for the post office, Raleigh, North Carolina. I show up there. It's like the most African-American place, like the South, man. So I ended up going to Enloe, which is one of the, it's like one of the top basketball schools in the world, public school. Mm. And so it, it, like, there's a lot of pro dudes came out of there. John Wall was in my league, Jerry Stackhouse, Pistol Pete Maravich came out John of there. Wall, John Wall? Nah. <laughs> yeah. That's a blow. Yeah. Trying to. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of dudes out of there. Nate McMillan, the coach came out of my school. So there's a lot of dudes that came out of there. And so I ended up playing basketball and, um, I was, I was pretty good. I was playing with pro guys. So anyway, my feed full of basketball is kind of like a reversion to, to that flow. So you need to be doing things that make you happy that aren't part of money. Mm. That can be sports. I also, you know, later in life live with the Amish, so that's farming. So I'm in that flow state when I'm on my farm. I even, one of my farms, I don't use tractors. I know how to farm with big horses pulling stuff. Oh, so shit. it's It's funny, like, Everybody meditates and does the, because we live in an artificial bubble in big cities, right? So you like have to do some artificial thing, like sit on a yoga mat and get into a flow state. But our ancestors, when you're working with like animals and you're growing your own food, you naturally go into that. Like I don't have to do any breathing stuff, but I digress back to your question. Health, wealth, love, happiness. My advice to my bloodline and anybody watching is, resist the temptation to go in my, cause this is a common thing that people are teaching online. Especially now with monk mode, right? Like you focus on wealth and yes. everything else drops. So I think people need to hear that. 
Yeah, and by the way, one of the reasons I decided to come back to social media <laughs> is there is a lot of misinformation coming yeah. out there. Not that I'm some virtuous person that will set everything back to truth, but some of the stuff is is very illogical that people are teaching. And, and I was like, yo, I got to come back and talk about stuff because, for example, one of the common kind of themes is like in your 20s, you sacrifice you know, and you don't go out and you don't party and you do this and you lock yourself in and you set your income in order. Well, I live off this Joel Salatin framework, my first mentor. Nature, Mother Nature laughs last. The best, play, uh, the best plans of mice and men, there's a famous book, Mice and Men, you know, often go awry. And so when you deviate from nature, what should you be doing? Look at your hormonal composition in your 20s. You're going to have peak testosterone from about 16 to 26. So you, you shouldn't just be, that's a unique time where you can build a lot of muscle. You know, my dad was a pro bodybuilder and he put a lot of muscle on at that age. And my dad at 80 still had biceps. It was nuts. You know, you get that. There's some science now that working out young, you get a release of something we don't understand, but some kind of growth hormone, stem cells, and that body part stays strong much easier, much longer. So I think, you know, when you go into that sacrifice mode, which people are teaching, well, it's also your best time to make social connections. Old friends are great. And so that 16 to 26 is time you should be social. So I actually think it's inverted. I think you should, if you wanted to emphasize anything, at a young age, 16 to 26, you would maybe emphasize slightly more health and love you know, it's funny, like, you look at a young dude, just take sex, for example. How many times can a 20-year-old guy come versus a 90-year-old do in one day? It's a strange question for a second. Quite a bit more. There's a yeah. multiple on that. But, yeah. but I'm just taking, take, take, just think science, you know, because one thing I've learned about entrepreneur world is it's a bunch of dudes who pride themselves on their logic but are emotional bitches at the end of the mm. day. So let's just go logic. When we think about sex, take it away from homo sapiens, any species. So if, if you have higher fertility, higher sperm count, 16 and 26, that's Mother Nature saying reproduction time's here. And the best laid plans of Twitter money and is going to fucking laugh at that stuff. So Elon Musk is an interesting case because he had like six kids before he was like 30. Mm. He followed kind of nature's plan. Still doing cold outreach the old way? Let me show you what you're missing out on. Remember email verification tools? It's time to ditch them. ListKit verifies your entire email list before you export it. So forget about manually verifying your prospect's emails. Subscriptions? That's old news. ListKit offers you credit-based pricing. Only pay for what you need. No expiration. No long-term contracts. No headaches. Still exporting 25 contacts at a time? Awkward. With ListKit, you can export all your contacts in one go. Plug them into your outreach tool and kickstart campaigns immediately. So what are you waiting for? Click the link below to get priority access to ListKit. He's you know. an advocate for it. He talks about yeah. it all the time. Like, go have four or six kids. He's a scientist. He thinks logically when the rest of the entrepreneurial world is thinking. And that's why I said the problem with social media now is a good, the good news is a good idea can spread like wildfire. 
but so can a bad one. And the, what I define as bad is the, your greatest danger in life is a 95% true, 5% lie. It's kind of like you're on Earth, you're on a rocket ship, and you're going to Mars. You set that sucker or the moon 5% degree, 5% off, it doesn't seem much off. By the time you get to the moon, you miss it by 1,000 miles. So, so social media now has good ideas, but it also has this dangerous 95% true. The idea of sacrificing your 20s to create an income source is partially true because in Mother Nature, between 16 and 26 is when a man became a hunter. All hunter-gatherer tribes were, were mostly, we look too much to our farming past, which is the last 25,000 years. You got to look, hominids are probably 1.2 million years old, homo sapiens, let's say 300,000. You have way more generation as hunter-gatherers. So as a hunter-gatherer, a man was doing a lot between 16 and 26. In fact, what he was doing was bringing up the four pillars at the same time. He was, you know, you look at an African warrior, Amazonian tribe, a boy who's 16, 17, 18, He's definitely focused on being strong, physical. But he's simultaneously, you know, courting in some level, mating at some level, because you used to have a shorter lifespan. So people yeah. were having kids 16 to 26. Um, but they were also become establishing themselves as hunters. So I think you should do all of them and ignore the, the popular advice that you just focus on wealth acquisition. Because to a hunter-gatherer, Wealth acquisition, you also needed a woman and you needed physical strength, right? So the hunter-gatherer, you were like hunting and then you needed to prepare it. And if you had a kid coming, you needed a woman as kind of a team with you. So that's why I said a man at 16 to 26, and this really never ends, should be bringing up all those pillars at the same. And then happiness. Happiness to me is a compass, not an emotional thing. So... I remember, I think 2013 was one of my best years because I call it early morning bliss. I woke up, I remember in 2013, just waking up and being like, the world is at peace. I'm at peace. Everything's good. And um, so I think if you're at 16 to 26 or 26 to 56, the happiness component, health, wealth, love, happiness, that one is more of your compass. It's not so much seeking happiness through a specific experience. It's like, how do I feel when I wake up? Do I wake up in a stress state, you know? And so those first three are active things you're working on. Happiness is a consequence of getting the first three right. I feel like social media plays a major part in happiness. Like yeah. the way I want to ask this is when you were living with the Amish, there was no such thing as a comparison game. You had no idea right. what was going on in the real world. Did you feel that state of bliss and happiness during those two years on the, the farm? Yeah, I often go, why did I ever leave the Amish? I remember leaving. You didn't want to get married, right? <laughs> well, no, I wasn't actually Am they're, they're, they're I was going to say, why'd you join in the first place? I never joined the Amish. The Amish. Okay. You, to join them is to get baptized in their church. And I wasn't that, I've never been that exact religious belief. But um, when I left and I knew it was just time to go, no specific reason, I just felt it in my bones, like time to go to the next phase. Um I remember thinking, I will look back one day and always question, maybe I should have just stayed here. Um, and, you know, the comparison thing. So here's my take on the comparison. It is true that social media is hijacking our brains um, into a comparative mode that is unhealthy. The flip side of that, everything has like thesis, you know, Immanuel Kant, the philosopher, said you have thesis, antithesis, synthesis. 
So the th one thesis is that we're getting unhappier because we see the happiest moments, that's what they post to their social. So like depression is on the rise, especially at young women, you know, I see everybody's good looking, better than them, the average person ain't good looking, right? So, but the, the antithesis, the opposite side of that is so, there, first off, there always is comparison, even among the Amish. My synthesis, how I blend those two, the healthiest is you should build your life around a tribe. And tribe size should be almost exactly 150 people. There's a famous scientist, uh, Robin Dunbar, anthropologist. We evolved in groups of 150, and there's a math behind it. Our brain can basically handle the interplay of 150 people comparatively. You need to be able to compare. It's important. And then that's 10,000 connections if you do the math. Because not only do, if you're in my tribe, I got to keep track of you and my relationship. But if you're in my tribe, I have to also keep track of your two relationships. So if you take 150 people and you do the math on the neural web, it's about 10,000 interactions. What's happening now with social media that, that fucks everybody up, it's too many neural connections. So you should have comparison, but you can't go too big of a group. In fact, it's funny, on the way over here, I was thinking, good new framework that I'm experimenting with, because I always have these like kind of mad scientists saying, imagine... The only real people on earth is your tribe of 150 people, and everybody else is a hologram meant to, or, or some kind of a- NPC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but your 150 is real. Yeah. Because I think you go wacky when you think everything is a simulation. <laughs> but say, say there's 150 real people, that's your tribe. Everybody outside of it is a lesson for your tribe. That's a little video game character. I think it's also discipline. Like, I- I found myself following these four, this girlfriend group, and I followed all four of them in the group on Instagram. And every day I would watch their stories and see yeah. what they were doing. I'm like, I know so much about these people's daily lives. I've never met any of them. Like, what yeah. the fuck am I doing here? And I unfollowed all of them. Yeah, that's not, yeah, be dedicating careful. Way too much energy to. Yeah, because that algorithm is good. If you start following pretty women, it starts. Free. Although I don't <laughs> think that's the worst thing for guys. I think there's worth thing to follow. I, I, I'm concerned about my my feed right now. With that money, Twitter is like everything's an AI. Da, da, and some of it's good, but that's going to make you loopy. And there's a lot of blind leading the blind. You know, Making money is a the, the, the I say going into the jungle, even the greatest man falls in the jungle. You know, The greatest general of all time is Napoleon Bonaparte. Mathematically, he had 62 major battles. 52, he won. Nobody's ever touched that. The great generals, Grant, Sherman, Caesar, Alexander the Great. See, Alexander the Great had six major battles. So uh, Bonaparte, there's more books written about Napoleon Bonaparte than anyone in history. Yet nobody remembers him now. And when people do remember him, they either think Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> right? Seriously, if I bring up Napoleon, or they think a short dude who lost. Yeah. This dude was the and first an angry one, Napoleonic complex, yeah, which is bonko. He's probably one of the smartest humans ever to live. He was a trillionaire for sure. It's the richest man in modern history. He controlled Europe. If you own the world, it's you're beyond a trillionaire. Okay, so but yet where he remembered by his last loss was his Waterloo. You know, he lost this battle against the English here, and then he was exiled to an island. He died on an island. He wrote a book. It's funny. He wrote an autobiography of his life. So few people have bought it. It wasn't available on Amazon. It's not on iBooks, Audible. I, I had to like get a special order. Wait, I think <laughs> now it's on Amazon. And I was thinking, 
the greatest dude in terms of winning. He had the most women. He had like 17. He had these Polish mistresses. He had like the 17 most beautiful women in Poland. He, they even kept track of how much he had sugar babies. He had like, he had like that shit. He had, it was like 250 grand a month he paid these 17. The <laughs> Take lots. Yeah, it wasn't that. Yeah. But, but anyway, anyway, this dude, by the standards of like people look at social media, and you were, you know, you were talking about Andrew Tate or Dan Bilzerian or Hugh Hefner, whoever. I mean, Napoleon. This dude had a trillion dollars. Control. You're really powerful and wealthy when you control an army. Yeah. Nobody we look up to. None of the social media. Elon Musk doesn't control an army. At that point, money doesn't even matter. It uh, serves no utility to you. You so ask for something, you get it. The original OG. But, but my point is what I was saying about you go into the jungle, even the greatest fall, and even an Elon Musk won't be remembered in 20 years. So that, that's why I say you were talking about following these women or following money Twitter. Make sure the compass is set in the right direction as to where you want to go. And that's why I said my compass hasn't been as much like most entrepreneurs. Theirs is very much like on this W, like I win. But to me, it's like, first off, nobody (laughs) wins in the long run. So it's it's like saying immortality is my goal. And some entrepreneurs do say that. They call that legacy, which I think is an incorrect goal. Legacy, my ass. Hermosi talks about that as well. What, just legacy? the fact that nobody's going to be remembered in two, three generations. Right. So fighting for a legacy is almost a useless cause. And you need to be going more so for fulfillment, enjoyment. Now, he's a little bit of a, I guess, oxymoron in this situation because he's so focused on business and enjoys it so much. But I'm curious. You, we talked about kind of like the misinformation, different people out there. Hermosi is one of the guys that I really like and think mm-hmm. puts out good stuff. What are your thoughts on him? You know, honestly, I've watched so few people. People ask me about all these people. Like, I I told you, I do my tribe thing. It's like 150 people in my tribe, and I pretend everybody else is a hologram. Um, from what I've seen of Hormozy, or he seemed, look, anybody who gets to the top is usually really sharp. So for me, and most people are always, I look for something I can agree with with people with anybody. When I talk about, think about Joe Biden or Donald Trump, my brain goes, since I think they're kind of a hologram in a sense, I'm like, what's the actionable lesson for myself versus when most people look at Biden or Trump, they're either super pro. There's basically cultic thinking. They're like super, I hate Biden because I like this kind of guy, or I, you know, I love Biden and I hate Trump. I, I, I hate that way of thinking. I think it's a cancer that you have to root out. So if I see a Hormozy video or whatever, to me, it's like, okay, the guy's growing in a sea of 8 billion people. That takes a skill set. What's the actionable for my tribe? Not just for me, my tribe. And by the way, that thing on legacy, I, I don't, okay, extreme, extreme. Super into legacy is too extreme. Think, thinking there is no legacy. There actually is. The middle line is bloodline. You will be remembered through your bloodline. And you won't be remembered as a person, as we generally don't remember our great-great-grandparents. But you do live forever through your bloodline as long as planet Earth doesn't blow itself, you know, off, off the, out of the universe, some nuclear event. But bloodline is actually the purpose of life. That's why you asked me the four pillars. And I said, sometimes I have, a, I have what I call Bravo 7 too. There's also seven things, which is 
Four Pillars is an easy way to remember, but part of Bravo 7, your bloodline is the most important. That's what Elon Musk is saying about having kids and humanity. So I think that the fine line is you don't search for individual legacy and you don't become a nihilist where you're like, nothing's important. You thread the needle by saying, you know, bloodline. And to me, remember, there's this old proverb, there's a friend that's closer than a brother. So your bloodline to me is friends, family, romance. So friends are the friends you have that are closer than a brother. And Dr. Buss, one of my mentors, he's from Harvard originally, and he, you know, he says, there's a lot of science on what they call deep friendships. Most friendships are basically peripheral, superficial. So in my tribe of 150 people, I'm thinking, who are the friends that are closer than a brother? That's part of my bloodline too. Mm -hmm. And then you have the bloodline you're born into, cousins, uncles, grandparents. You should build your life around being close to those. And then through romance, you create your own offspring, which is also your genetic material that passes on. So that's it. If you go deeper than the four pillars, it's not legacy. It's not, we won't be remembered, so let's make up a game of being really good at business. Mm -hmm. It's bloodline is the closest thing, and that's the core yeah, driver. it's funny, because we had that conversation and came to the exact same conclusion that you just did. Probably because we're from a big family. I'm one of yeah. seven. He's one of eight. But uh, yeah, no, I agree 100%. Couldn't tell. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah you first cousins. Tell? No, one of my questions. Well, first off, like you had a ton of success, like we talked about a little bit off camera with uh, SMMA, which was like mm -hmm. one of your, your core info products. So I'm imagining you have this massive community of people who have bought info mm -hmm. products from you. If I had to guess, like most entrepreneurs in general struggle with what you just talked about, which is bloodline. Mm -hmm. And so how do you feel like, do you feel like that is true or do they struggle in another area? And then how can you serve that audience where they're at? You mean, do I think the average entrepreneur? Um, well, I think they make up business as a game to mask their, like you were uh, saying earlier, emotional yes. problems with relationships yes. or bloodline and just not being able to function in that area. Yeah, that's, I, I think so. To answer your question, uh, short, uh, let me give you a short and long answer. The short answer is yes, don't do that, <laughs> which is create a delusional game and forget bloodline. It's like money and like, I love money and blah, 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 blah. That, you know what that's called? Goal hijacking. I'll tell you one of the most important things I want to bring back to social media. And I've started to talk about it. It's a little bit complex, but not so complex. You all are smart. You'll understand it instantly. But there's something called the efficient frontier. And so if you take a graph of anything, let's start out with something non-money related. Muscles. So here's a grid of how much muscle you have at the bottom. On, on the graph. And on the top of graph is the response you get from the from both you loving it and other people loving it. So a dude with no muscle, right? He's sitting here, he's low on the graph. His life kind of sucks. Women don't like him, like I too skinny, da 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 da. He doesn't feel good about himself, low muscle. So he starts to get more muscle. And all of a sudden he gets feedback from maybe a woman or women who didn't notice him. Hey, you looking different, or people, oh, you been in the gym? So he's like, hell yeah. <laughs> so happiness goes up as muscle starts to go up. So it goes up. So then men, what do men do? Well, I'm gonna double down on that. Mm -hmm. Now at some point, it's like steroids. Like <laughs> I can I can put on, you can put on 30 to 80, maybe 100% more muscle than you normally can. 
by going on some kind of, uh, you know, some putting a, putting a little juice in your body. So dudes go up here. Well, what happens? All of a sudden, because I know a lot of, I, I know a lot of the influencers behind the scenes. So I remember going to one of the most famous influencers, strong muscles. I was at a Laker game with him. This dude's going to have a heart attack while I'm here. You can't breathe right. You start to get so much muscle. You ever been around these guys that are really huge, too much muscle for their frames? Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, like liver king. It's, it's not liver king, but there, there's <laughs> dip, it's not even one dude. So all of a sudden, your body response starts to go down. And most women hate mass oh, monster after dudes. After a certain point, the only compliments yes. are coming from guys. Yeah, you're better if you're a gay dude. You could be like one of those bears. Or I used to live in West, <laughs> West Hollywood. It's like Bearville over here. <laughs> Big, stocky power lifter dudes with hair. The gay guys are flocking to them. So, I mean, whatever floats your boat. But but people, guys don't realize you've gone. That's called the optimal point, inflection point on the efficient frontier. Now, money is the same way. You have no money. Uh, happiness is at low state. Stimulus from outside. Nobody, women don't want to date you. People are like, you get no respect from men. So you start to make more. Boom. Let me double down. Let me double down. Then you get gold hijacked. You go over the efficient frontier. For example, billionaire to me is a failed archetype. I launched this system. It's my 13 hypothesis on dating and sex and dating for a guy. And um, I have the successful archetypes that you can emulate and the failed archetypes. Billionaire is a failed archetype with women. Billionaires don't do well with women. I was just in Copenhagen, Denmark. And um, you've been there in Copenhagen. <laughs> no, I've yeah. been there virtually. We'll go that to whole region. Just... Yeah, yeah. I, I live in Scandinavia, tell, tell right? The story. So during COVID, I, you could change your Tinder location. And I was like, fuck it. Oh, yeah. I put it to Sweden, Stockholm. Yes. And I was like, Barbie, Barbie, yes. Barbie, Barbie. Yes. And I was like, I need to go to Sweden. What the fuck? Yes. And you were just in Sweden, right? Yeah, I've been living there a long time. <laughs> so I've it's true. To, more than a decade, I've been going to Scandinavia. Yeah. I, I used to own nightclubs in my doorman. was this guy named Drago. And yeah, Mr. X. <laughs> First name is Drago. He's a Romanian Puerto Rican guy. Can't find him anymore. Drago, if you're watching this video, bro, I've been trying to find you for years. I, I do not know if this guy's alive. Ivan Drago. If he dies, he not dies. Ivan Drago. <laughs> that's that's Dolph Lundgren, another Swedish guy. Yeah. You know yeah. he broke my ribs. He came to my house. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Ivan Drago. Big you Dolph in the ribs. It's on my yeah. We, it, we it's on my social when he used to come to my house, and uh. Talk about a real celebrity. I can tell you who the real celebrity. I took Ivan Drago, Rocky Four, real name's Dolph Lundgren, to a Laker game, and I've taken a lot of celebrities. Dude, people like him. <laughs> I mean, like, iconic. People are like, what the fuck? I've gone with these big celebrities. I'm like, Dolph Lundgren is a celebrity, man. Yeah, but he, he was like, yo, we're in my gym. And he's like, Let's do this little boxing thing. It's like you hit me and I hit. This Joker has like meat hooks for hands, big hands. I'm Drago jab you. He hit me. Like I, he's like, you hit me and I'm going to hit you. I'm going to just like, and dude, because he's a karate guy. Okay. And he's like, yeah, I'll show you because I do like Muay Thai and stuff. Dude, he hit me first time and I was like, we got to stop for a second. And I was like, <laughs> crack my ribs. I was like, just not even a hard punch. Some people, that's what they call heavy hands. Some people have heavy hands. Anyway, um, yeah, Sweden, beauty is not dispersed equally amongst this planet. I can tell you that. <laughs> Physical beauty. But what I was saying is billionaire is a failed archetype in and so were, many and ways. And you were talking about your buddy Drago. 
Yeah, so Drago told me he was a poor actor, dude. When I took over, I t- this whole crazy story, I took over this nightclub from these Colombian guys in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was, almost got killed, but but I had to clean out all their people that worked, all their security, all their people. And so the guy who owned the restaurant, named Giorgio Batoxias, he's a famous restaurant guy, still has the same restaurants that I took over in nightlife. He said to me, he said, whatever you do, you can fire everybody. Keep Drago, the doorman. And I was like, why get rid of, why Drago? So he's like, trust me. This guy was so good looking with women. It's like a hundred women a night. Like I, I did mostly just open Friday, Saturday. They would just come to talk to him. Then they'd go in the club and your club had the most beautiful women. Because, But he always told me he would come work for me three months and disappear. Disappear a few times, come back three months later when he didn't have money. I'm like, where do you go? He's like, bro, let me tell you how the world works. He's like, there's Iceland, number one. There's Norway, number two. There's Denmark, Sweden, number three. And there's Australia. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, that's it. He's like, that's where all beauty concentrates in this world. <laughs> so you may not agree with that, but so it took me about a year. Yeah, I travel. I got I travel with a pretty, pretty big group of people that work for me. And I had these three guys, and they're all single dudes in their 20s. They, they now, every city I take them to, they, they judge it by how their Tinder feed. So we hit America, they're like, oh, my God. God, my Tinder just plummets. <laughs> like, and then every time we land back at Copenhagen, Stockholm, they're like, oh yeah, we're uh, home, back man. Home. Yeah. Like, is it hard to actually get them on a date or is it are they very high standard, stuck up, that kind of deal? Scandinavia is a is a riddle. What's the old Winston Churchill saying? It's a riddle wrapped in an enigma inside a quandary or something. It it's 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 not the easiest place in a certain sense, but it's the easiest place in another sense. So there's a barrier to entry. There's a saying in Scandinavia, it's called Jantelon. Um, or in Norway, they have another one. It's called, or Sweden, they call it Fremling Fientlichet. It means we don't like outsiders. Mm. So they, it, so if you're an outsider, I took my friend in like 07, this Argentinian guy, great with women in the US, good looking guy. For his birthday, I'm like, I'm going to take you where I've been going, Sweden. So we go to Stockholm. No joke. I've never seen him cry. Except about 28 days into our 30-day trip, he's like, I want to fucking go home. He's like, this is the worst birthday. He's like, I haven't slept with one woman. He's like, I've made out with five. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, and there's so many beautiful ones. It was like, you know the story of Tantalus, the mythology? There was a guy cursed. There was water always would come up to here when he's thirsty and he reached down and would go down. And there was fruit he could almost reach. And every time I went to reach it, it would go a little too high. That can be Scandinavia. But once you are live there and you may, it's a, you have to know how to social network with guys. It's not, a, it's not like America. You have to be seen as a social person. So social game, as they call it, works there. But what I was going to say about that is, you know, going back to like the archetypes. The billionaire is a failed archetype in almost everything except money, in my experience. Now, some billionaires might disagree, um, but I know guys in Copenhagen that if I show, if you could live a day in one of the Forbes list guys' life, you enter their body, you have their consciousness, their happiness, their da-da-da, and then you could be with some of the guys that I know that live in Copenhagen or Stockholm, it would take you a millisecond to be like, I want to be the guy, that guy over there. They're experiencing... They're entrepreneurs, they're making money. They're not making crazy money, but they're making like a million bucks a year. They've got 
Copenhagen, Denmark has the largest friend group. People, like the average person has 14 close friends. America's at two. America's a lonely place for people, especially if you don't live close to your family, you know? America used to be very family, like farms, but now people live all spread out, and they, they, Americans aren't good at making these tight friends, especially at past page, like 30, age 30. So that's what I meant by failed archetypes are also being pushed on social media. Everybody's like, yo, I want to be this. I'm like, 2013, when I think I was at peak morning bliss state, like I talked about, I was probably making, I don't know what, I can't remember exactly, but I was making seven figures, but not eight. Um, I had a cool house. I live in the Hollywood Hills. It's that same here in my garage house. I moved in there in 09. Um, and I was leasing it. It was like 10 grand a month. It wasn't huge, but it was a baller place because they had a view. I could see Long Beach where I was born. I used to wake up every because I was born in the ghetto. My dad was in prison on an island off Los Angeles called Terminal Island. I was born in Long Beach. It's, Long Beach Compton is like the most murders, you know. One of my first memories, someone getting shot in the heart in front of me and my mom when I was like four. Yeah, nothing like the movies. Someone gets shot in the heart, is like blood goes out of every little hole. I can still remember. It's one of my first things I remember. But Hollywood Hills, I'm sitting here, and I could see where I came from. You could see 35 miles. It was, it was on a clear day. So I wasn't living the baller lifestyle. I didn't have private jets. I don't have this. But, dude, if you you could have traded billionaire, I had some. That's when I first started having some mentors that were either billionaires or close to it. They all wanted to live that life. So I call this the exchange test. Emulate people, only the people that you would exchange for their life. And what's happening is in 2013, there wasn't money Twitter. So I didn't think, I didn't think billionaires had a good life. So I wasn't. My, the feed wasn't making me go, well, if I had this, I'd have the baller life. I, and I locked in on that. Like, what makes you happy for money is growth. And this has been proved. Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel Prize winner, the worst thing is shoot up to making a million, then you shoot down to making 80 grand. You experienced more pain doing that or less pleasure than somebody who goes from 100,000 to 120. Mm-hmm. It's that money. So I was having growth in 2013. I was what I, one of the failed, one of the successful archetypes for a man is the local celebrity. I was a local celebrity. I was not, now when I travel the world, any city people notice me or come up to me. Uh, That's why I got lazy. I can take these off. It's kind of a cool thing, like reverse Clark Kent. (laughs) When I take glasses off, people don't, and my hair longer, people don't recognize. But general, they recognize me when I talk. Back then, 2013, nobody recognized me, except in Hollywood which is a good place to be recognized. I took over the Mondrian night, um, Hotel, did the whole nightclub there. It was, it was a fun life, man. And so be careful of those failed archetypes. The billionaire is a fa- failed one. I guess what would you say, because the guys that bought your programs growing up like ourselves mm-hmm. had all this business success the past six, seven years. Yeah. Where do they go from there? Like when you start to get success in business, how do you start to diversify in some of the other areas you've talked about? You, you bring up those four that you neglect, those other three that you neglected. It's like the second you start, you make a million bucks, you're good. I'm telling you, you can't. Money is the ultimate example of diminishing returns. It really diminishes faster than you think. Mm. And it punishes faster than you think. Who's somebody really well-known on social media that makes a lot of money? 
Andrew Tate. <laughs> Money also punishes. Yeah. Money also punishes. Mark Zuckerberg, it's public filing, spent $32 million on security last year. Do you know what that means? That means you have genuine, real, credible threats on kidnapping your children. Do you think that's a good life? Would you like to wake up? I mean, probably the most horrifying state you can be in would be a parent with their kids kidnapped. So money both giveth and she taketh away. And so you're better to be on this side of the efficient frontier of money. Do not cross over and don't dance with the devil. I've danced with the devil, but don't dance with the devil. Now, going back to your first million, I feel like that's where 99% of our audience is. Yeah. How'd you actually go from taking a course in 2002 to where you were at your most happy in 2013? Like what was yeah. the primary business venture to get you to that point where you made your first million? See, I, I was pretty diversified. I never had one income. So you diversified stream. early. Heck yeah. Okay. In 2002, I launched a financial planning company. It's called Legacy Life Group. It still exists. They changed, we shortened it to LLG Financial. It's 50-50 with a guy, John DeWar. Um, we're still buddies. I've had 14 business partners. I'm still friends with all of them. And John, I, I sold him. I moved from North Carolina back to ha California, and I sold him my half, so he owns the whole thing. So I had a I had a financial services business. Six I grew it just using the internet to six thousand customers, which is a lot. We were managing either the money or the financial planning for six thousand customers in fifty states. I used the internet to scale that. That was my. But at the same time, I had a nightclub business, and um, I, I bought businesses, and then I started doing consulting. Then I got into online dating, and then. I really liked the consulting thing. I was doing that a lot in 2009 and 13. I've always been kind. I grew, I grew up, you got to look to your ancestors for your legacy and your strengths. My, I have a lot of teachers in my family. Mm. Both my grandma and a grandfather were professors. Uh, and so I, I realized consulting to me was like teaching. So I started doing more of that. But I had online businesses doing seven figures, you know, in the dating space, Um and I still had, I hadn't sold those other businesses. So I still had cash flow passively from the nightclub business uh, and from and from financial services. So I was doing, but I got on, I got on the show Millionaire Matchmaker. I don't know if you ever saw that. Uh, it was like no. an old reality show, dude. It was like 08 came out. It was the number one. I, I'm always a controversial dude. I realized that. In 08, when I got on TV, my episode became the most controversial. It was actually the most watched episode for like two years. So what's the premise of the show? Is it like it's a dating like a, show? For Yeah, it's like a matchmaker. She gets guys. I think I, I you had to qualify as a millionaire. I had to show like my financials. It was like 07. So it was, I got cast by a guy named Sam Rima. He's now the head of casting for Playboy. And um, <laughs> I met him. And what so a life I, that guy lives. Yeah, Sam Rima, he's on social. You'll see he's like. He's like the original guy who had all the women that you see now people doing on social media. But yeah, so that was, I, I was always diversified. And I don't even remember an inflection point of my first million. I don't remember. People ask me that. I'm like, shit, I don't remember. I just remember at some point your net worth, your cash flow, it's there. And, and so it wasn't a, so sudden of a thing. Yeah, know? no, it's interesting. I think that just shows your nature as a person that likes to explore. Do you think in the long run, if you're just looking at dollars, just looking at net worth, that's served you more or actually hurt you more? Like if you were to just lock in on one thing and just always be there, do you think you would have been better off? Just talking monetarily wise, not enjoyment and fulfillment. 
Well. Like Confucius says, the man who chases two rabbits catches none. But Warren Buffett chases one rabbit. That's Berkshire Hathaway. That owns 110 companies. So I guess is how you do, how you define what the word one rabbit is. Yeah. In general, I would say know thyself. If you're a high explorer person like Elon Musk type personality, then he's good with having several things going. Um, if you are more of a, you know, there's um, Mark Zuckerberg focused on one thing for a long time. Jeff Bezos was just Amazon. Then he eventually, you know, bought Whole Foods and all this stuff. So know thyself. I think for me, I'm not sure if I would have made more money just doing one thing possible. If I was a betting man, I'd probably say I would have. Interesting. Yeah. I was just saying, 2013, like walk me through a day in your life. You're waking up, going to manage mm -hmm. nightclubs in the evening. Like what's a day in the life look like for you? Then? So 2013, I didn't so much have the nightclubs. I had every Thursday at the Mondrian, I had cut a deal with them and I did a business event. And it was, that was cool. You want to hear a crazy Scandinavian woman's story? Of course. <laughs> so I was dating this. I won't say her name because Norway's a small country. This Norwegian woman, I don't know where I met her. Somewhere, there was, oh, I know. Tell you a little hack, practical thing. Throw house parties, guys. Throw house, and women. So you want to be a badass entrepreneur? Start with house parties. You're 18, you want to make your first million? Start with house, house parties. <laughs> he told that story. House party. Yeah. I mean, I, that was one of my smartest things. I, I started in 2002 or three. I was living in Raleigh, North Carolina. I remember it was on Limerick Lane. I, I actually went drove by it. I was in Raleigh the other day. And... um. This, I did not have much money, and this is how I know. I had a roommate, little apartment, about the size of this. It's actually almost the same size as this place, I'd say. And I was like, I got into, I started doing jujitsu, MMA stuff. My brother is kind of, I have a lot of brothers. And one, I have six half-brothers, and one of them's, he's like my dad. He, he, he's like, a, my dad was a, my dad's a real OG, like from prison. My dad's from Harlem. Um, my dad's the kind of guy that's like, never fear a guy that tells you he's going to punch you. You know, you two dudes that like push their chest, that punch my dad, fear the man who says nothing and then comes to, to kill you. So <laughs> I had a brother who used to do karate, taekwondo, and he's like, dude, this jujitsu guy came and destroyed my teacher. He's like, I'm switching to jujitsu. So I like got into jujitsu and MMA stuff in like, oh, two. In fact, my teacher Brad Huffman was in UFC one. No way. <laughs> that was when they were doing like sumo wrestlers versus the people. skinny guys. He didn't make it to the TV show. You had to fight seven rounds in the same day. And if you won, you got to go on to the eighth day. So I had this, this guy, this, this dude, he was a Navy SEAL guy. So I was like, I'm going to do house parties around the UFC. So I started, I think right back then, I was like UFC 8 or something. I started, I started as a teenager, as an entrepreneur. So I was like, I'm going to do this. So people come, 35 people came. I remember that number. And I had a teeny TV and people couldn't see. They're like, what kind of fucked up UFC party is it? Because it was like tall guys and nobody in the back could see. <laughs> so I did the one the next month. I was like, I'm going to get a big TV from a rent-a-center. I didn't have enough money to buy like a flat screen. So it was 300 bucks to rent for the weekend. I remember being like, what a ripoff. 300 bucks, I could buy a new one for like a grand. So I didn't have 300 bucks, just enough to front the money. So I go, 
let's, let's ask for $20 donation. Everyone comes in for the pizza. And I remember we made like 50 bucks profit. And that was the beginning. That's actually how I built my nightclub business. I built this group. But eventually, 150 people were coming to my apartment for UFC things. Right. Yeah. The damn, yeah, 150. And then they complained. People were like below me, like, what the fuck's upstairs? <laughs> because I was on the second floor. So that's how I started the nightclub business. But what I was going to say about that, 2013, fast forward, I was still in that mindset. And I'm still doing that now, like be social, be social, be social, be a local celebrity. So I got the Mondrian Hotel, which at the times on Sunset Boulevard was kind of a baller place to be, right? It's kind of like near One Oak and all that places now. So I met this Norwegian woman. And I was like, she was living with me part-time, like little, little pretty Norwegian. And I'm like, come to my Thursday night Mondrian thing. All the dudes would show up. It was a mix. It was like business guys were in suits. One of the nights there, apparently I didn't spend enough, uh, pay enough attention, and Norwegians can drink. So she, this little, she probably weighed 110 pounds. She drank that night, like they said, like eight shots of tequila. And I wasn't paying attention to her. About an hour into the night, bouncer comes up. He's like, yo, man, I know this is your night tonight, but we, we had to throw your girlfriend out. <laughs> and I was like, what? She's like, she's pushing people in the pool. She was so pissed. All the dudes were like standing around the pool. She just, bah! she knocked like four people in the I pool. Say, like Kobe took her home or something. No, 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 no. She was, she, so I told my, so I told my brother, I said, look, man, she's outside the club. Take her. Cause he worked for me. I'm like, you got to take her back to my house and just, you know, let her be in bed. She was like wild. Like, bah, fuck. she was an angry drunk. Now there's good science about why you should avoid an angry, angry drunk. I didn't know that back then. No, no, but it's for a different reason than you think. It's the dopamine wiring of somebody who's a short-term thinker gets angry more. An angry drunk is a sign that they're more of a short-term thinker. It's and There's new science out on this. So I get home like three hours later after my brother, and I, I walk in. It was from where that Lamborghini was, that garage. I walk in, and there, there she is laying on the floor like drool, and I was like, Somebody murdered her, man, while I was gone. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to explain this? Like, I was like, how am I going to explain this drunk Norwegian girl is like dead <laughs> on my, but then I realized she was awake and she was like, ah. and she, I looked around. The reason I thought someone had killed her is all, I had glass mirrors around half of the house. They were smashed. Well, she got home and was so mad that they had kicked her out. She took like a hammer or what or something and smash $25,000 worth of damage in she that didn't place. Get the Lambo, no, that was before I had <laughs> oh, the Lambo, before, same before. house. Okay. And uh, next day she didn't remember anything. She <laughs> called me cause I sent her home. I was like, you gotta go. You're back to your friends. She called me the next day. She's like, I think I left my passport at your house. I'm like, do you remember what happened? She's like, what do you mean? So that's a lesson on Scandinavians. They drink a lot and then they all they black out sometimes. So I don't like that, man. I learned don't, let people drink on dates with you. A lot has happened in your garage. <laughs> yeah, no, that was. I don't even know why. Uh, what was the question that led up to that? No, we were, no, ta so we were talking about what you were doing. Yeah. You got to tell us a cool story now, like cool night out with a celebrity. That does, that's not a cool. That's, that's a, a scary story. That's a scary man. story. Yeah, twenty-five grand worth of damage. Um, <laughs> that's a scary. Story. Oh, it's a cool story. I uh, first time I grew up watching basketball. My entire life, I never could go to a basketball game in person. My family didn't have any money. So I remember first time when I lived in that house, I started to be able to afford to go to a Laker game. It's not that expensive. It's like 80 bucks sitting way up at the top. 
And then I could tell my success levels, I started moving down from the top. Of, it was the Staples Center, now it's Crypto Center or whatever. I went down, 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 and I remember floor seats. That was pretty cool. Like I took Floyd Mayweather not too long ago to a Laker game, me and him, that was kind of cool. I was like, Floyd, you want to go to a game? He's like, yeah. Free ticket, I'll go with you, Ty. <laughs> so, yeah, I, got, I had two tickets. But then there's one seat where you sit. Basically, you look like you're a Los Angeles Laker. It's the best seat of any sports coliseum forum anywhere in the world. So I'm not joking. When they pan across, it, I was like thinking, I'm going to wear a jersey. Because friends would see me on TV, they're like, bro. They pan across the thing, and there's Ty, like, sitting there. But Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant liked to sit there. So I, the last three games of Kobe's life, uh, his career, and then sadly his life, I sat there next to him, and, uh, and, and I, got, I, I remember going back in the – I was like, yo, can I talk to you after the game? Yeah. It's on my Instagram somewhere, and I, I just went up to him. And I was like – because this is when I was really talking about mentors, okay? And I was getting feedback, like negative feedback. A lot of entrepreneurs were like, fuck books, fuck mentors. Like, you just learn by doing. And I was like, that's not true. Richard Dawkins, they say he's the highest IQ person in the world. He wrote in The Selfish Gene, organisms that can simulate the future without trial and error always beat organisms that have to use trial and error because trial is costly and error is deadly. So I went up to Kobe at that time. That was when I got a lot of negative feedback from different people. And I was like, do you believe in mentors? He's like, yeah, man. He's like, mentors. He's like, bah. He was like in love with mentors. He's like, he's like, yeah, I had Jordan. You know, I had Jimmy Iovine. He's like Michael Jackson mentor. He had all these people. And I was like, okay, I am on the right, I'm on the right track. You look at people at the top. And, and that's a good way, by the way. One of my best 67 steps. I'll tell you, this reminds me of this. One of them says, go straight to the top. And the main reason I don't follow that many people on social media is not because I don't think they're smart, but time's finite. The glucose in your brain, you know, the brain is like a teeny part of your body, but takes 20, 30% of all the energy. You got to conserve your thoughts. It takes just as much time to learn from the very best in the world at something than it does from someone who's an eight out of 10. And so since the only way I can ascertain who's a 10 out of 10 is by this kind of Titan status. Most of who I listen to and follow is the clear Titans of industry. So I was like, you want to learn about investment? There's probably a lot of dudes on Instagram that know a lot, but I know for a fact that Warren Buffett's a Titan. So I'm safer. And mentors, when I was questioning myself, I'm like, you know, I'm not the best businessman in the world and I see the value of mentors, but other people in my status are like, trying to knock that concept down in books. Fuck that. You just do. You just how you learn. So I'm like, let me go to a Titan. Kobe Bryant was a Titan, you know, multi-champion, ended up becoming super rich, you know, with some of his investments. And he's like, no, Ty, mentors, man. And I could see in his face, he was like, ah, he's like, I owe everything. I have that clip on my Insta. If you scroll, I should post it more often. He's like, mentors, man. I, I, every Titan I've ever asked either adores books or mentors. I've met a few that don't like books. Like the richest guy I've ever had dinner with, just one-on-one for a real long dinner with Steve Ballmer. Now he's worth about $90 billion. And, and he told me, he's like, I don't read, but I am where I am because of my two mentor slash partners, Paul Allen and Bill Gates. He's like, the luckiest thing that ever happened to me 
is at Harvard, I met these two guys, you know? And he's like, that's made all the difference. So to me, you either have books or you have mentors. And I've never met a Titan in anything, money or sports, that doesn't adore one or both of those. But I've met a lot of people who are eights out of 10 who say you don't need mentors, but I never met a 10. Still doing cold outreach the old way? Let me show you what you're missing out on. Remember email verification tools? It's time to ditch them. ListKit verifies your entire email list before you export it. So forget about manually verifying your prospects' emails. Subscriptions? That's old news. ListKit offers you credit-based pricing. Only pay for what you need. No expiration. No long-term contracts. No headaches. Still exporting 25 contacts at a time? Awkward. With ListKit, you can export all your contacts in one go. Plug them into your outreach tool and kickstart campaigns immediately. So what are you waiting for? Click the link below to get priority access to ListKit. So like if you were to pick, let's just say three either books or mentors yeah. for let's say like your son or your bloodline to just be left with and nothing else, what would yes. that what would that be? Or who would that be? You gotta go to the imminent living and dead. So I would say for making money, um, well, I, I, let me, for my son, I think Dr. David Buss, we're super lucky in this world that Dr. David Buss is still alive. He, he's going to be, you know, he's the founder of evolutionary psychology at Harvard. He wrote most of the textbooks. One of the luckiest things that ever happened to me, I'm not like Steve Ballmer where I bumped into this Bill Gates kid, but I bumped in in 2014. I met um, David Buss, and we became super close. I talked to him like three times a day. That's Dr. Buss is, you know, Jordan Peterson recently brought Dr. Buss on his show, and he's like, I look up to you more than any person. Anybody I've learned the most living person is Dr. David Buss. So I would want my son to be like me, no direct relationship with Dr. David Buss. And if he, if Dr. David Buss wasn't there, his books, those are, those are monumental books. A lot of stuff that people are arguing about on social media, whether it's like women, body count, you know, like you see all these like common threads on social media now, like podcasters, all that shit is already detailed by Dr. Buss much better than any of these people are saying. It's status. You want to know how status works? Dr. Buss is like a preeminent expert on status. That's why you brought up that picture where it's Jeff Bezos and one, his girlfriend, I forget what her name is. Laura Sanchez with the- Yeah, the and then DiCaprio. Yeah. And of course, I don't know if it's actually true, but the captured an image where she's like, ah, so she's got the richest man in the world. Mm -hmm. But what Dr. Buss told me in 2014, the first thing he talked to me, because I, he, I was given a speech and he came up to me. He's like, this was a good talk. I had the 12, that the man's, a woman's mind in the 12 component algorithm. And I gave a talk in Vegas. I didn't know who this guy was. He comes up, he's like, it's a pretty good talk. How'd you learn all that? And I was like, you know, trial and error. And he goes, pretty good, but you're missing one thing. And I was like, what? And he's like, status. Status is the most powerful thing on earth. You're talking about Justin Bieber on the yeah. iced coffee? Well, DiCaprio, who, who would you exchange to be? If you could actually live a life, a day in the life, not the delusional pain avoiding bullshit that most men have, but if you lived a day in life, you entered their consciousness, their body for a week, and you were Leonardo DiCaprio or Jeff Bezos. Oh, Leo, no doubt. 
Yeah. Yeah. So then why do we fucking emulate billionaires so much? Where's the book dissecting the psychology and the progression of somebody like DiCaprio? You know, pick your idols well, man. Pick your mentors well. Pick your goalposts well. I feel like those guys are so private. Like you don't... There's a lesson in that. Yeah. What, what is the lesson? Status giveth and taketh away. It both gives and put a fish in frontier. John Mayer is a guy that people should study because... I always say study naturals. A lot of dudes, this is another problem. All of us teach, right? We're like teachers. A lot of people teach are like, yo, I sucked with women or I sucked with making money, but now I've hacked it how to do it. That is a good type of teacher to have. But make sure that's not 100% of your teachers. The other set of teachers you want are the naturals. Mr. Beast is probably a natural. He came up to visit me years ago. He said in... 2020 or 19, right before COVID. He's like, I want to meet you. Been following you a long time. He's a natural. He started being good at business at 2012. I mean, sorry, at age 12. 12, 13, he's like, I started this. So that's a natural in money. So you want, if you're learning money, you want both the dudes who are like, for 20 years, every business I launched failed, you know, like the founder of (laughs) Kentucky Fried Chicken. He's like, from age, I started my first company at 20. Every business either like burned down. He had like success. <laughs> he was the unluckiest dude with money. And at like 69, he sold Kentucky Fried Chicken concept and became a multimillionaire. 69. So there's a certain lesson, but there's also, I don't want that dude to be too much of my mentor. You know, I don't want to have every bit, you know what I mean? That. So you want the Mr. Beast luck when it comes to women. You want both the luck event guys that are just naturally good with women, as well as the dudes like, I was nerdy. You know, I had this guy that used Red Pill pickup artist. Yeah, I had this marketing guy who was, I don't know if he, I'm sure he's in Red Pill now. But back, I I lived, he's from Miami. He he was probably the worst dude in the history of mankind with women. (laughs) He eventually hacked it, reverse engineered to be able to be like date sevens, okay? This guy, (laughs) I remember asking him, I was like, were you always this bad? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, I was bullied, like no one liked me. He's like, I was like, what's your worst horror story from high school? He's like, yeah. Like, I stood up to the football team because they were bullying me. And, in the, and I was like, fuck you. You can't do anything to me. I'm going to stand up for my rights. And he's like, they picked me up and they took me to the track, you know, like yeah. that night and tape, duct taped me to the thing and I couldn't get out. And they're like, the next day, somebody running track at like six in the morning, some woman is like, he's like, I was like on the side, like, <laughs> hell, like horizontal on the fence, like tied to the thing. So that's. There's a certain lesson, because that guy, I remember going to Miami, he was dating like sevens. I was kind of like, ah, you went from no woman would ever notice you were there. But also Mr. X, Drago, yeah. that guy, I'm sure, I don't even think he's on social media. He, he, he Be careful of people who loudly proclaim anything. Yeah, so no status or money, right? Nah, but he was, he, that's what I'm saying. He was, yeah, no money. Natural. But natural. Casanova was a natural. The book, you know, one of the great books, forget red pill stuff. Read Casanova. He's so good that 500 years, almost 500 years from now, I mean, later from his birth, we still call a dude a Casanova if they're good with women, you know? Yeah, red pill is an interesting thing. That's an example of very accurate in about 95%, but 5%, so deadly wrong that I'm not sure if it doesn't counteract the exact, the rest of the 95%. It's kind of like if you're 95% healthy, like you're ripped, you got the V-shaped, the gold, you know, ratio, but you have like 5% of you full of tumors. 
Like, I'm not sure you're a healthy dude, you know? And so Red Pill is very accurate in a lot of stuff. They're, they're a reaction to the, you know, ultra feministic kind of understanding. But for example, I just did in my 13th thesis, one of the second lessons I put in there is I, I call it the common theme. You know what the common theme is with men who are good with women? What do you think? They, the common theme. They listen. Listen, throw out a couple of hypotheses. Confidence. Confidence. They grew up around women. Grew up around women. Just throw out, I'm not gonna call you out if you're right or wrong. <laughs> Just a guess, like your experience. I, I would say confidence. Yeah, some people would say tall. Tall dudes do well. I saw this seven foot new recruit in NBA, not not Wimby or whatever, but another dude. He's like a college prospect. Okay. And they like interview he's like seven two, and they're like, what's the bad part about seven two? He's like, I hit my head. I can't get clothes. I don't know. He went through his long list. And then at the very end of the interview, they're like, and what's good about it? He's like, women like it. I remember being like, oh, that's a short makes long. Up for all the bad yeah, things. it makes up for all the oh, bad yeah. things. But well, okay, what what do you think? Naturally good with women. Which one do you say? Being funny. <laughs> Throw anything out. Rich. Some dudes are like rich guys do well. Good looking. Yeah, good looking. Okay. In my experience, and I think there's real science there, they love being around women. I know a guy, not Mr. X, not Drago, this guy that is one of my first students ever in my mastermind, paid me 25 grand in 2013, and I helped revolutionize his life. He's still a close friend of mine. This dude, he goes out, there could be average looking women, pretty women, ugly women. He could go home with one of them to sleep with them or not. He's like, Sometimes he says to me, he's like, ah, I just love being around women. They're so refreshing. It's like men get on my nerve. He's like, I love. Who do you think he's better with, men or women? He sucks with men. He's not as good with men, yeah. women. So the main problem with red pill, these motherfuckers are traumatized by women and don't really like women. Yeah. You ain't going to be good. It's like money. What's the common theme of dudes are into money? I will tell you this. There's not a billionaire or hyper wealthy person on this planet that's not what we call greedy, which is another word for we love money. Dudes that are, I don't love money enough to be as rich as people. There's people who count their money. There are people who iron their dollar bills, man. Pablo Escobar loved money. He loved money, he was making a billion dollars a month, cash. He loved money. Me, I would never be able to be Pablo Escobar. You, I read in a textbook this fascinating thing. There's two responses to making a wacky amount of money. You guys have a hyper-successful educational company, right? So let me, I'm going to do a quiz on you. Which kind of person are you? Are you Pablo Escobar or are you more like me? Okay, here okay. we go. So let's say you figured out a funnel that was making you 100, as long as you focused on it, you were, it would make you 100 Gs a day. I've had funnels making me 100 grand a day, net, okay? I've had that. I've, been the, I've lived that life. I'm kind of an OG, like you said. I, I'm not an OG like my dad, but I'm like, maybe being an OG of some level runs in my family. So I'm OG in like internet. I know a few dudes that are more OG than me. I got a guy starting in 99. He owns a dude. He bought a two jets now. You've never seen such a big jet. But anyway, <laughs> so... You make a hundred grand a month. Yeah. I mean, a, a day. A, a day. But would you rather go, shit, I want to make three million bucks. So I'll run this shit for 30 days. Uh, three million bucks is what I need this year to live crazy fun life. 
So I'm going to do this shit for 30 days, 100 Gs a day, make 3 million bucks, and I'm going to stop. Or do you go, I can't stop because every hour, every day I work, I make 100 grand. Which one are you? I work every fucking day. <laughs> I think for me, I'm never turning it off. <laughs> okay. I, I would delegate, of course, so yeah. I don't have to work and actually grind and do all the stuff to fulfill on whatever I'm selling for 100 grand a day. You're what they call a builder. Yeah. You're what they call a builder. When you start fucking building the house, you're like, now nah, I want to put a deck on the thing. And now I'm an explorer. I build the house. I'm like, shit, now I want a house in Sweden. I got the house in LA. Moderates, but you would build a bigger one in LA. You just build the big, I come back to LA. You've got the yeah. monster mansion. I want to cross like, the threshold from when it goes to mansion the compound. Yeah. And just keep building it. I'm afraid of the efficient frontier. You guys aren't afraid to dance with so, the devil over here. So 2017, 2018, when you kind of stepped away from that whole world, do you think it was more burnout or boredom? Explorer has to explore, man. So would you say it's like, yeah, just, I, I want to do something else. That's it. Yeah, the, the, we're all puppets. of We're carriers of genes. My genes gave me some experience that told me it's time to keep moving. So maybe they probably, you know, your body releases chemicals that make you think you have free will. But my free, my genes go exert a little bit of burnout, exert a little bit of, you know, excitement in something new. And it manifests itself as a behavior, which is me moving on. You guys probably have more serotonin than me. It's a serotonin. Like I said, you can go look on Helen Fisher's website. She's the chief scientist who built the science. She built Match.com and Tinder. She's she's the. I just talked. She's a personal mentor. I do a call with personal mentors three times a week. She was my call yesterday. I'm gonna put you first in Sweden every time you land. <laughs> You're the first profile. Yeah, not, not quite. You don't have that kind of power. I met <laughs> I met the dude came to my house in Beverly Hills one time. They're like. I was like, what do you do? He's like, you know, right, left swipe? He's like, that was my idea. I'm a co-founder of Tinder. I was like, that's kind of a cool thing to be the co-founder of. <laughs> he didn't invent electric car, but he invented the swipe. I was like, that, that's a good idea. Yeah, but you guys are probably, you're probably explorers because you're here in London. If you're a full-on builder, high serotonin, you know, you're not super concerted. Mike Pence, the vice president, Helen Fisher was telling me, he's an example of, you know, he's like, I don't even want to be in a room with another woman. I have my wife. He lives in whatever, Indiana or Ohio. He's like a very, and, and he's a builder. And um, so you all are, everyone in this room is a comp, you're a compilation of these four kind of, you know, testosterone drive, oxytocin, neuroepinephrine, serotonin, all that dopamine stuff. So I think 2017, 2018, it's like, that's just my, I was at the Amish for two and a half years. And it's like, I'm just a care. We're all puppets of our genes thinking we have all this free will, but humans are predictable, man. I can predict everybody in this room's life. We think we're all these autonomous beings, but uh, uh, we're not. You were at the Amish recently, or that was way before? Well, I still, I have one of my farms. I, I have about a thousand acres of farmland, organic farms in America. And it, one of them, well, five of them are in the middle of the Amish. They help take care of it when I'm gone. So I love to be, Amish are the greatest people ever, man. The nicest people ever. I gotta say something. Yeah. When I used to see your ads back in the day, you're like, I read a book a day. I'm like, no fucking chance. <laughs> but now the amount of you've referenced like, like referenced 24 different philo like philosophies, textbooks. You're just like a human encyclopedia. With well, this. you want to know something? Yeah. Everybody doubted me. 
In 2013, I was reading three books a day, but I remember thinking nobody will fucking believe that. <laughs> so I reduced it when I did my TEDx talk to why I read a book a day. The funny thing is, Elon Musk's sister recently put out an article. It was all over USA Today, whatever. She's like, I remember growing up and Elon Musk read three books a day. And ain't that weird? It's not, in fact, the closest thing, people ask me, ayahuasca, psychedelics, you know a trip you can go on. If, you know, humans divide into T's and F's, thinkers and feelers. I'm a high T. And by the way, one's not better than the other. They're very powerful F's. And very, you know, men don't like to be called feelers, but it doesn't matter for outcomes. Nature in its wisdom puts about 50-50. So if you do it like a Myers-Briggs test, 16 personalities, I'm a high T, like 98% T. So I can get a high. I used to take three books on different subjects and you read them, kind of you force yourself to read them as, as much as you can in like 45 minutes. I'd read like 10 minutes, even less, like five minutes. And then I put it down, took another subject. And now there's some new science starting to come out. It's kind of like a concept amalgamation. Dude, it's like a rush. Like I remember I would come up with genius shit I, and I haven't been doing that. And one of my goals, I was like, Ty, you're, you're messing up, you're, you're, you're leaping forward too much. I'm going to go back to that three book a day thing. I was talking to Rick that you met here and I was like, you know the ironic thing about me because I'm controversial. The stuff people most hate about me is the most authentic, they're the most, you could pick a way to hate on me that would have some accuracy. What's the first thing that went super viral? Like H3H3, like this is a bullshit house, rented, Lamborghinis, all fake. He just got it. To this day, people write me like, oh, you just got that for one day. And I'm like, of, there's not an influencer that's online right now that had Lamborghinis and Ferraris longer than me. Before I put, I got my first Italian car, Maserati. We had Ferrari too. Me and my best friend, I had a Maserati Ferrari. would swap cars. Um, I posted my first picture eight years after I had it. I liked cars intrinsically. So people are like, this is the guy that uses cars for fake reasons. I'm like, mm. fuck you. I had baller houses. I had my first baller house. It's on millionaire matchmaker TV show, Bravo, in 2006. I was living, before I lived in the Hollywood Hills, I was living across from, there was the Hustler store on Sunset Boulevard. And I found this house, I remember it was like five grand a month, which was so much money for me. But it was baller house, dude. I got some stories in that house I'm not gonna tell on here. <laughs> I came back. So it's weird that people hated on me that this dude doesn't read a book a day. And I'm like, all the things you could pick on me, you're picking on the authentic things. So... Who's, the, who's yeah. that guy who runs that channel? Who? Bravo? No, the one that made like Oh, the, H3H3. Yeah. Ethan Klein. He picked oh, on some kid in our space for yeah. But he became friends now. I, I wrote him and I was like, why don't you come to the house? I, so I was going to reference that video. Yeah, I loved it because you were unfazed because you could tell it was authentic. You had nothing to hide. You're oh, like, come bro. through this He came that. through. You wanted to see the title on shit. <laughs> so the title doesn't have my name because it has my LLC on it. It's for tax reasons. I was like, you can't call me out for that. Don't have your own name on assets. That's like 101. And, that and was then, a funny video when he's following you room to room. Yes. And he's like lawyer over there, lawyer over there. there. <laughs> Those are lawyers that were there every day. I didn't really invite them. He was like, but I knew you got to know how to make things entertaining. Then he invited me back on his show. He used to text me. We're like, ah, what's up? But yeah, you know, like I said, I have this formula for business. If you want to make a lot of money, here's the marketing formula. I say you got to hump a lot. Hump a lot. Dude, <laughs> dudes are on Tinder. That's the marketing formula. H, what's the H stand for? 
You know what it is, Itzel? You remember? I haven't always shared. This is actually the first show I've actually publicly shared the, uh -huh. the hump formula. <laughs> I was just, I've always had this in, in my mind, but hypnotic opening. What's the definition of hypnotic? I can't, like, it hypnotizes me back. Here in my garage, Lamborghini books was kind of, Hollywood Hills was kind of like, people were like, I want to, what the fuck is this? So you got to come back. <laughs> you, you is unusual origin story. I had a story, true story, living in Clayton, North Carolina, in a mobile home of $47 on my account, sleeping on the couch. It's an unusual origin story. Found five millionaire mentors. They trained me, boom, boom, boom. That's the you. You in your marketing needs to have, those, then the M is you have to have a make it easy mechanism. I was like, and then I traveled the world and I found all these millionaire mentors. And But I didn't say you have to travel the world because that's hard. I said, make it easy. Click the button below, buy my 67 steps. You get one video a day. That's an hour that just tells you what they taught me. You don't have to do shit. Give me $1 a video, $67 a month. And so that's a practical solution, H-U-M-P. And then S, if you want to close the deal, you have to explain it's a special time in history. Because people are people realize intrinsically that they want to procrastinate. They, maybe they don't realize it, but subconsciously, all of us are cautious and want to procrastinate. So as you explain, as you see that money Tinder does now, I mean, money Twitter, money Insta says, but now AI is here. And those that it's a special time in history because if you catch it early, before it's saturated, you will get rich. So click my make it easy practical yeah, solution. It was Web3 two years ago. Yeah, It'll exactly. be something next year. It'll be, It'll be crypto. Guys, you need to be humping more. You got a hump. <laughs> Things that. That's our, that's our phone. A now. lot of humps, man. A lot <laughs> of humps. That teaches us how to hump. Teaches you how to hump. Especially there you go. The red pill, guys. Let me see that thumbnail, though. I, I, I won't, <laughs> don't do one of those pictures yet. <laughs> All right. So question for you. Like you left the mark like the digital marketing world mm -hmm. and there are all these headlines about you buying like these really notable brands like radio shack and pure one my question being in digital marketing is like what happens to an empire like you built when you leave social media like the personal right. brand the ty lopez product suite yeah so now so i i think you can hibernate brands for a while in a way you probably hurt your brand like you probably hurt my brand to be doing other stuff for three years. Eh. I mean, what, it's like, like I said, don't be emotional. Guys are too emotional. So it's like, who cares if you fall off? Everybody falls off. Fall off on your own schedule. <laughs> I never fell off. I, I left for a while. Then you come back and I have this thing called the third phase, and uh, the third wave, sorry. Uh, and the third wave is who really wins. So I was first wave. And then everybody you see now is second wave. And it's the third wave that'll be the most powerful influencers. Because just think, life is iterative. So you had the first social media platform was Friendster. Okay, you had Friendster. I remember that thing. Because right when I came out of the Amish, Friendster was there. I had a friend who's like, dude, Friendster. And I remember like <laughs> just thinking around with it. I was like, what is this? The guy who did it sold it for, did he sell for $20 million or something? No, he turned down 20 or 30 million. Then it became more nothing. He became an alcoholic. Just like the founder of Victoria's Secret sold it for five million bucks, then became a billion-dollar empire, and he jumped off the Golden yeah. Gate Bridge, left behind all these little kids, killed himself. That he had the wrong metrics. Exactly. Yep. He was only focused on money. Now, sometimes suicide is something that's also genetic and chemical. And you know, like I said, we don't have as much free will as we think, but be careful of the wrong goals. But anyway, so um, the third wave, you got the first wave which is Friendster. The second wave was MySpace. 
believe it or not, Tom, the phone, you know, I don't remember, MySpace was started by this guy, Tom, and he was like your first friend. He, he's in my 67 Steps program. We became friends. He told me the whole real story, the origin story. I recorded a podcast, and then he didn't want, he asked me to not publish it. It was kind of cool. We went live <laughs> on social sometimes. People were like, are you playing basketball with the founder of MySpace? Because he, he, he made $50 million and disappeared, became a photographer. Did he win or lose? Like he's been living in Thailand, traveling and just doing whatever he's he winning. wants. Yeah, but he's a smart investor. I, know I like that he, guy. I remember him dump, dunking on somebody on social media. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and somebody was like shitting on him for having a failed company. Yeah. He was like, you probably live at home in your mom's basement. I sold yeah. my company for $50 million. Well, he sold it for like 500 but he made like, 50. I mean, he only was a part pound. But so MySpace was two. And then Zuckerberg was the third wave. And the third wave has been able to ex extend for about 10 years. And even then, eventually the fourth wave come, which was TikTok. And Snap was the first kind of disruptor of Instagram. And that was 2015, 16. I got on that sucker early, man. I remember I had a million. You want to know something crazy on Snap? There was so few people on Snap. This is like 2016, 15, 16. I remember they wouldn't show you how many followers you had. Nobody knew, but I got my rep to tell me. I had like a million. The Kardashians had like 10 one of the Kardashians, I forget, Kendall or Kyrie, Kylie, not Kyrie, uh, Kylie. And um, so I was like, I got a million. And so they used to spotlight certain posts on a story for like the global story. They don't do it quite like this anymore. So I would go to like sit next to Kobe Bryant and I would post it. Dude, they would release that thing. I'd be getting 18 million views on my snap. My first post, I'll be like, the fuck has 18 million? I go to the Grammy. That's why I started. I was like, I'm going to ride this wave. I started going to the Grammys, Academy Awards. I, I'll get one post. It's like, I was going 18 million. It's like, that's how many people live in certain states of the United States. Like a coliseum of people, Staples Center, Miami Heat, whatever they call it now. I don't call it FDX, whatever it is now. Yeah. Holds like 18,000 people. I'm going, I got 18 million people watching me. So. First wave can be powerful because I had that first mover advantage. I remember doing YouTube ads. I was actually in the Facebook beta in 08 or 09. I've always been a good first wave mover. Um, and then I think I get bored and, I, and the second wave comes in. But I, when you're first, you can always be third. So now they learn. If you look at all these people, not that I invented everything because I learned from other people too. But it's a very similar business model. And, but they've improved on it. People are better at doing hooks, store, like all the VSL stuff, the hump formula, nobody used, I was one of the first people to know how to do that. People sucked for years, 18, nine, but I've trained, I, I just looked, that's uh, over 550,000 people have been my paid clients. I've trained a lot of motherfuckers. I was like, so not, I wouldn't take credit for it because there's also been other great teachers and, and people I've learned now second wave is pretty strong. You know, like I was an eight out of 10 of skill. Now, second wave influencers, you all, you're like nines, but there'll be a group that comes that'll probably be a 9.5. You'll never, nobody will be a 10. Then the fourth wave comes a decade later. And so it's not just a first mover advantage. There's that third wave advantage. So I hibernated. The second wave would have come anyway. You know, you just can't dominate. At one point, I, I, at one point, I was like, you know, like Trump and Andrew Tate. I was one of the most Googled people in the world. If you looked on the graph, I was like, Psh. which is off the efficient frontier, dude. Don't ever, ever want to be one of the most, you don't even want to win the top 1,000 most Googled people. First off, the only time I think you want to be that Googled 
if you're a heterosexual, straight, single guy, is when your audience is women. But do you want to be the most recognized dude by other dudes? That has diminishing returns right here. That thing instantly <laughs> diminishes, right? So I like, if you are DiCaprio and you become the most Googled, it's mostly women Googling. That's like, sad, so if you're on a date and six guys are like, yo, Ty, the girl's like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, guy? yeah, I've heard. I, that, that, don't buy into that that much. I, I've had that. First off, you got to think like Paleolithic, man. You just, so all of us have a Paleolithic brain. Like, our, you know, you change like 1% per 10,000 years DNA level. So we're agriculture, which is the modern world that we call it, where you had agriculture is the first time 10 men could control a lot of wealth. Before we lived in egalitarian tribes, nobody had, could control that much wealth. Agriculture probably changed the world for good and bad at the same time. So men had small levels of status, and that's all that women's brain can really handle. They don't handle as much as you think. John Mayer is a perfect example of this. Read his own words. He says, man, when I... Now, John Mayer is a natural with women. He's like 6'4", good-looking dude. More famous women, he's been their first love than you can fathom. Like, this dude has been the first love of like, you know, Ariana Grande, not Ariana Grande, but whatever, Taylor Swift, all these people. He's one of the greatest guitar players, talent-wise. He can sing, okay? The guy's like, I did way better for, with women before I was really, had a lot of status. He's like, then it got hard, and you got to worry about gold diggers, and da-da-da, and he got depressed and became an alcoholic. because. Uh, so that's why I said money both giveth and taketh. So don't go too far down that route, because I've been there. I have been out. You got hot girls with you. And everybody recognizes you and comes to my table. Like, I've been in that place. You don't necessarily, ah, that fishing for, maybe a plateaued. I don't think it's that much better. Being a local celebrity, you'll do well. Women look to their local cues. Do Best thing that could ever happen to you is if women they knew liked you. Mm. Women go to their friends. Mm. So if, like, all of her friends follow you, and in a positive way, not because they hate you, that will you will get way more. So stat, as I said, this is a good example of this kind of why I got to come back to social media. I don't have to, but I'm going to because these are dangerous things that men think. It's like, well, if I if every dude status that, I don't think it's quite like that. I've experienced. I don't. I don't. I know billionaires, dude. These jokers don't do great with women. And they don't have just the play. Now, hookers. <laughs> but I mean, but the thing about hookers is any dude can have hookers. You don't have to be a billionaire to have hookers. And I just don't think you get that much love. Uh, and the man's brain is very attenuated. You can tell if a woman likes you just for your money. And you get much lower chemical response. Yeah, be careful of that one, man. Men coming up to you. Is cool for about, I'll say it was cool for six months for me. Then eventually it's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> you know? So you're coming back for the third wave. I guess what's next business-wise for the personal brand? Are you looking to start companies off it? Because you seem like somebody who's just going to grow their influence inevitably. Because you're very good at speaking, you're engaging. Like More people are going to put eyeballs back on you pretty much immediately. But is there anything like a software or a coaching program? Are you looking to launch off of that? 
Yeah, I've got this formula that I've kind of honed down, which any of you, I'll give it to you for free. It's called the trade formula. And I think it's the best business model for third wave. You all can do it. I'm doing it for myself. Um, so the T stands for tribes. So you need to build tribal type businesses where people actually, a classic example of this is veganism or CrossFit. People call themselves CrossFitters. Mm -hmm. Like I, when their identity is a thing, that's a tribe. Vegan, you know? So then the R, and this is something I, I would encourage you all to do, is the R is for recurring revenue. Great businesses, Jeff Bezos has 200 million people on Amazon Prime Auto Rebuild. And what is it now, 100 bucks a month? So there's, there's something, you have a decay function mathematically in recurring billings. So based on your price point, you can predict. So let's say a decay function is like, you know, one divided by 12 or one divided by 10. You, you figure out, some people call this a churn rate, okay? So you have a decay, but it's predictable. If you don't spend any money, like I built a company, uh, me and my, we co, I was a co-founder of MentorBox. We build out things like 70,000 people paying you between 10 and 40 bucks a month. It's very predictable. The decay function, you know how much money you're gonna make next month. Whereas if you're doing all what, the classic word is straight sale, when you're all straight sale business, which is getting money per transaction, um, you get hurt, you take a break, you get burnout, your income, it's like proportions, logarithmic drop. So T, trade, tribal, recurring. Apple, by the way, became the first trillion dollar company in great part because of the app store where they take 30%. It's the greatest, people like J.D. Rockefeller, you know the Rockefeller, he's the guy who invented the monopoly in the United States. He was worth $600 billion, but not worth a trillion because he couldn't take 30%. Apple takes 30%, but it's gonna go to the Supreme Court as like basically collusion, you know, anti-trade, fraud, anyway. So R is recurring. Uh, then t the uh, trade formula. So the, let me skip around because I kind of like to do these in different order. Um, the D stands for debatable businesses, controversial. So vegan is a classic example of, or, or you remember like the Atkins diet or the secret. I don't know if you remember that self-help movement, or you were talking about Andrew Tate, Top G. This is a, he, he has a, a business model and structure that people debate. Now, yeah, he's calling everything the matrix. Yeah, but I mean, it's a debate. There's people who love and would die for him. That's a tribe. He's made himself a tribal leader. Donald Trump has made himself a tribal leader. He says things that are debatable, controversial, like, you know, Mexicans shouldn't come in or something like that, or whatever he said. Remember that first thing he said about Mexicans? He said about, I forget what he said, but it was super controversial. Con Kardashians, very debatable slash controversial. Did they really make their money? Are they, people are arguing, but they're spreading their word. They're spreading their business verbally. And that's why the, the wealthiest self-made billionaire was Kylie Jenner, the youngest. She was whatever, 19 or 20. I once in Norway, I went on a Tinder date. I'm all sitting there and a girl looking across from me goes, Second question she asked me, never happened in my life. And usually Norwegians don't talk about money. She goes, what's your net worth? <laughs> I remember thinking, wow, I didn't think, expect that from a Norwegian. 
And I was like, that's it. Why would you ask that? And she's like, because I'm the richest 21-year-old or 22-year-old in the world. My dad is a billionaire. And if you look me up on the Forbes list, I'm the richest. Yeah. So she's like, the only reason I'm asking is like, guys get super weird. And I was like, the good news about me, I do not get intimidated by money at all. So yeah, she's a, she's a cool woman. But uh, she got displaced by Kylie Jenner as the richest, well, richest. It's good. I heard she came, she would come to LA. She's cool. Um, and she was honest about it. She's like, I didn't earn it. She's like, my great grandfather did actually. Grandfather did, I think in the 1800s. She's multi-generational. Um, so the, so the D, debatable businesses. That's super important. Um, the E, okay, is you want to build ecosystems. So a great example of this, that where you have an ecosystem would be Apple would be one, but I'm launching this 150 body program, which is, I'm not a pro athlete, but I'm a super busy entrepreneur. And I had to figure out an actual protocol that works and keeps you in decent shape. I'm not a 10 out of 10 body wise, but you know, you want to be like an eight out of 10 as a dude. That's good. After that, you get diminishing returns in your money. So I'm like, how can you maintain anti-aging, you know, for your age? Like I'm from my age, I'm, I can outcompete most dudes physically, you know, energy, but it's not, it's because I wasn't always like that. I figured out this protocol. I spent millions of dollars. There's that guy going viral for spending millions of dollars on anti-aging shit. I'm like, ah, I did that shit too. I hired everybody, dude. I've worked out bodybuilding with Dorian Yates. Five, I know Arnold Schwarzenegger. I've hired all the biohackers. I've done. I've taken so much blood out of my arm. When I moved to Puerto Rico, I had to get a new nurse from LA. She's like, I'm not ethically allowed to take this much blood out of you. I'm like, I've been doing this for five years to track myself. I had to sign a waiver. She's like, I have to come back in two days. She's like, you will faint if you do that much blood. So I pulled the blood. I got the sign. So I built this 150 body but it's an ecosystem. So there's an educational product, okay? There is a supplement line that comes out. There's gear, and I'll probably open a chain of gyms, either virtual. So that's an ecosystem of cross-selling. Where you're gonna go wrong is just you like launch, you know, one core product, and you become very core product-based. You need to think ecosystem, because now your LTV has to be higher enough on a funnel. You, or you, you'll get beaten by somebody with an ecosystem. So yeah. if you go to tylopez.com slash trade, I'll give you the free mind map on what the A stands for and how it all works together. Um, tylopez.com slash trade is a free, I'll give you a free PDF on it. I'll text it to you or email it to you. But yeah, th this is the ecosystem for, this is the model I'm building off. I, I think any, uh, I've thought this through for a long time. It's not, I want to give this away free, you know, because if you get this trade thing wrong, it's going to be, I would say, 10,000 entrepreneurs launch a day. I mean, when I started in 02, making my first, Google AdWords was two months old when I launched on it. I was buying life insurance keywords for 20 cents a click. It's $18 a click right now, the saturation level. I remember it cost me 20 bucks to generate a lead and $200 to sell a life insurance policy online that made me a $1,500 commission, okay? And I remember going, this is expensive. It's costing me 200 bucks to make 1,500. Yeah. I got a seven ROAS. No one even had the word ROAS back then, okay? So I, 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 there was probably 10 entrepreneurs a day launching in America when I started. Then I remember 08, 09, I started to see the influx of people, maybe you know, 
I'm talking about credible people, not people just launching on 200 people a day. I'm at 15, 16 when I started, you probably had 1,000 people today. This is gonna be an exponential function. There's at least 10,000. Africa's opening up now. Once high-speed internet hits, um, every little Einstein, Elon Musk villager in the world is gonna get in the game because men are attracted to money. They're not, most men ain't gonna follow my four pillar thing. Men have no problem because men don't understand that they're sacrificial lambs for the tribe. So there's absolutely men that are like, I just hunt and I forget to eat for myself and my health decays and my wife's getting banged by another guy and all this stuff. Like men will become sacrificial lambs. I just don't recommend you do it because then your life sucks. It might benefit the whole organism, but if you don't understand a trade formula and you go old school, which is what a lot of people, the, the current business model is get a lot of attention. These dudes ain't gonna win because you don't have the back end to support the front end. It, yep. it, dude, when I was humming with tylopez.com, I built a model so hard to compete with, I was dropping 30 to 50 Gs a day on branding. No CTA. Cause you always, I divide business into 14 divisions. There's 14 divisions of business, okay? 12 are operational and there's three in marketing. So you need push marketing, pull marketing and, and outbound marketing, which is phone sales. So push marketing is when you're paid ads. Pull marketing is no call to action branding. Like Coca-Cola just used to have, you know, Michael Jackson dance or Pepsi and just drinking. There was no clear call to action. So you couldn't compete with me because I could spend, you know how many views I can get with 30 G's a million a month on branding? So what I'm saying is, if somebody uses my trade formula, goes hardcore, you have so much more free cash flow, aka net margins, that you can blow out people whose only business model is getting a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. getting, everybody's gonna get a lot of attention now. And TikTok, dude, the greatest hack on entrepreneurs' name was, uh, brains was the Chinese. They figured something out. Let somebody be a celebrity from a day and they're hooked like a crack addict. So everybody's on Instagram. They got their 8,000 followers. They're posting a video. It gets, you know, 147 likes. Then TikTok came out. They'd post the same video over there. And TikTok, the Chinese, I could just imagine, Chinese are cunning as a culture, right? As a cunning culture, the art of war, you know, the art of war, Sun Tzu. So the cunning is like, Sun Tzu says, the greatest general wins without fighting. So how do you win against Instagram without fighting? Become a drug dealer. It's a great business model. What's your drug? Dopamine. How do people experience dopamine? Recognition. So you post that 147 like video, and they're like, every dog gets his day. It's his day. That post, let it have 60,000 views. Yeah. Dudes are like, TikTok fucking rules. That's now? And then they destroy your engagement from then on. But they also know they're smart, they're cunning. They're like, if we, okay, the crack addict, if we give him his rush, but then it, nothing goes viral for like three months, then he's gonna leave TikTok and go back to Instagram. So let's set the algorithm. Every dog gets his day about every 42 posts. Yeah. So the dude is hooked like crack. It's like, I need, I gotta post again. So they get insane amount of post people posting. And remember, there's only so many eyeballs in this world. There's only eight, two billion people online. So you can't give everybody a million views per post, but they're like new accounts. We're gonna give them a drug dope 
then they probably mathematically charted it off. Talk about a decay function. How long do you stay loyal to something without a dopamine drug rush? So they probably, I could see Chinese PhDs sitting there, 600 of them working for the machine, and it's like, <laughs> it's like we've calculated the golden number. It's 47.3 days. I just got like a viral TikTok, so I'm like. Yeah, and there was yeah. uh, there was somebody that we were with. I'm not going to name names because I don't know if the Chinese are going to somehow find this yeah. and like go back to this person and fire them, but they would literally say his girlfriend worked at TikTok her job would be like, hey, find somebody this week and make them a celebrity. Yes. So that's exactly what the game plan is. Escobar won won the only drug dealer in this game. (laughs) But but to be clear, TikTok also spent $18 billion in one year on push marketing. So you both need the push and the pull. They pulled you and they pushed it on you. And so if you don't follow the trade business model and you're going after first, see first wave when I was there, you could, you did not have to do as much. Like when I started 67 steps, it was making, I could make hundred G's a day. I didn't have a phone center. I didn't need to maximize my LTV because my CPA was low. I was getting people, I was getting my CPA. Let's say my CPA was, you know, 50 bucks to acquire a person online, a credit card. And my EPA immediately was a hundred earnings per acquisition with no rebuild with no phone center. So now second wave came in, they saturated the market. So CPAs, you can, you're not gonna be able to acquire it at 50 bucks because all these dope fiends on social media are chasing their fix, taking up eyeballs that would have been, that were mine in 2015. So now you have to have the 14 divisions operating in your business, which I don't have time to go into here, but. If you follow me, I'll slow. These are complex, but I'll talk about them over time. I'll I'll come on your podcast sometime and talk about the 14 operational divisions of business. But you need a formula like trade or you will get blown out. And, you know, I don't fear most competitors because most entrepreneurial men, the the actual problem, I'll end with this. Maybe it's not a high note, but I'm very, I'm more into psychology than business. That's my thing. Like if I was going to be a business person, I would probably be a psychologist if I had to have a nine to five career. And mental illness among entrepreneurs, this is a known fact. What occupations attract the most psychopaths? What do you think? Entrepreneurs. Forget entrepreneurs. Forget entrepreneurs. What other occupations, the highest, there's one that's way higher. Infinity higher than. Isn't it dentists? No, that's where dentists is right. Dentists is like they're like entrepreneurs like five percent psychopaths out of a hundred entrepreneurs like five, um, which is pretty high. It's like five times normal. Dentists are up there. People who cut things is one answer. So surgeons, chefs, dentists in general, psychopaths. None mean they're sociopaths or serial killers, but they're high on. There's this score called the Levinson psychopathy test. But what's way higher than that on the like the Levison psychopathy? Like not five, like eighty percent of them are psychopaths. They're high. There's one even higher. I just watched a movie on Netflix, Black Hawk Down. Pilots? Black Hawk Down's about it's not just pilots. What kind of pilots was it? Fighter pilots? Just military in general? Warmer. Who in the military? What would be the most aggressive people in the military? General? Like somebody who's, No, it's a squad. What kind of uh, squad? Navy it SEALs? Is? Navy SEALs. Oh. Army Rangers. Yeah. But it's a good... You want those. You know the story of Osama bin Laden. He's hiding in Pakistan. We finally find him. They drop in special forces dudes. You know, Osama has like his family. 
He's like holding his kids, the Navy SEAL guy, or I don't think it was a SEAL, was it a Ranger? Whatever it was, Special Forces kicked down the door, Osama bin Laden's right in front of him, the kids are there. That Navy SEAL don't give a shit. He's like, I'm here to murder you, and he just raises the gun slightly higher and shoots Osama right. He doesn't care if he's holding his kids. You want psychopath Navy SEALs. You want, the reason you have police brutality is because it's a high, who applies to be a policeman? Your jolly, kind friends? Or a dude is like, I like to lock people up, point guns at people. But anyway, going back to entrepreneurs, and this is a warning to every one of you, because it is a special time in history where the whole world's available on a credit card to pay you money for something. The danger is the entrepreneur community, outside of really kind of fringe small groups like Navy SEALs and stuff, I've never met a higher group, uh, a group with higher mental illness in and that the only higher group is crypto people. So it goes like, <laughs> it goes like, I'm, I'm serious. It's like no, I agree, crypto entrepreneurs are even more complicated. And, and you might think, but isn't it good to be a little crazy? And, and, and um, think about you got your laptop open, you got your Chrome windows open. What happens if you open too many windows? It drags down. You hear the fan running. The RAM is pulled down. So entrepreneurs, what I was saying about being third wave, I don't fear most entrepreneurs because their own mental cognitive load will pull them down. The very thing that makes them good as entrepreneurs, meaning they're hungry, they're greedy, they're like, fuck, all my friends are average, I will not be average right away, which is classic narcissism sign, right? You don't wanna just go, I'm doing this because I don't wanna be average, and all this, it will be their own demise. Most entrepreneurs, I don't fear them if I was competing because us entrepreneurs, are our own worst enemy. So if you are an entrepreneur, you, you focus on getting your head right, look at the dark triad traits. I got a company, I launched this a totally free one, I, I've never monetized it, lifecompass.com slash quiz. Take the quiz, go through, analyze yourself. You can see cues to your own mental instability through your family, do you have a narcissist, do you have bipolar? Like I have a bipolar grandpa, I've got, my dad had NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, which is like 10 times worse than the average narcissist. Um, and you look for your, you gotta look, you gotta know. So that was my negative thing to end with. But my positive thing is I put in the 67 steps, there's this thing called Eulerian destiny. And, and you gotta know what that is. So we're talking about, should you be a billionaire? Should you be Mr. X, John Mayer? Should you aspire to be Warren Buffett? The better thing is you, you do this math thing, Eulerian destiny, you, you take concentric circles and you draw these four circles on a piece of paper or where they all intersect, that is what you should do. And the reason you do it is because you're genetically best able to compete in that center. So you're not trying to win, you're not trying for legacy, you're not trying for bloodline, this is your destiny. And I'm not saying it as a spiritual destiny, I'm saying if you're seven foot four and you're coordinated, the universe gives you a destiny and you might as well run with it and play basketball. You know, so one, the first circle you draw is what do I talk about on a Saturday night when I'm not working? What do you talk about? Let's say it's sports. For me, I talk about psychology a lot or talk about social life, women, blah, blah, travel I talk a lot about. You put that circle. The second circle is what did you grow up around? Because it's not, you know, nature, nurture, is it genetic, is it environmental? The truth is most things are more genetic than you think. So what you grew up around is also a cue to the genes you inherited. If you grew up around doctors, 
if you grew up around people who are poor, if you grew up around criminals or whatever, there's a clue there. So you kind of look at that. Then the third one you put in here is, what do your enemies compliment you on? Because the only way, you know, Nietzsche was the great philosopher and he said, the mind's an impenetrable fortress. You only learn about yourself through friends and enemies. So, you know, I know what my strengths are. They're the ones that go, fuck Ty Lopez. He is a good marketer, but I hate that guy. That compliment is the most pure compliment that you have because compliments from friends can be false. So you put the third one, what did your mom say about you when she's mad? You know, my mom used to be like, ah, I, I did this, but you are, you are persistent, son of a bitch. So I know I'm persistent. <laughs> you know, and my mom was mad at me kind of speaking as it. And then the fourth one, um, uh, well, with the three, so you, you got these three kind of here. And, and let me, I'm going to keep it at three. The fourth one gets too complicated. But let me just do a quick experiment. Now, then we can wrap up because it's hot in here. It is. Um, <laughs> it's all of my hot air is like heating this damn thing up. I was like, yeah, it's probably that I guess, right I guess there. Europe, the UK, they just don't believe in AC. Yeah, I know. Hottest place I've ever been is Paris in the summer. I remember I was in a taxi. No air conditioning. Dude rolled up the window. I was like, this is like, it's like concentration camp in here. Yeah. No, this was before anybody. It was like 07. But you think of that concentric circle and you go in there. And that is what you do for your business. Because the cool, I was talking to Horion Gracie. He's one of my mentors. He's the founder of the UFC. He's a Brazilian, and his father invented Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He's a ninth degree grandmaster. He's like 71. Incredible. You talk about a dude that looks good for his age. He just went on one of these crazy machines and he's got a 45-year-old's body, 71, he's 26 years young. And you'll know it when you see him. Anyway, he was like, you know, I said, I always end everything with, if this is your last day on Earth, you go into Mars on Elon Musk's rocket ship and you want to share a message for five minutes to your bloodline, what do you say to them? And he says, I would say, now you do what you're strong at because anything could be turned into money now. Like it used to be like if you liked art and music, you're, I had a dentist once and he had an amazing painting while he's doing my teeth. And I was like, who the fuck drew this? This is like the Sistine Chapel. And he's like, that's me, I drew it. I said, you're one of the greatest artists I've ever seen. Why are you doing teeth? He's like, yeah. my mom told me there's no money in his art. So, and you're you playing with the wrong brush. Yeah, well the wrong, the, she's like become a dentist. He, and I was like, do you like it? He's like, no. The highest suicide rate, one of the highest suicide rates, Dennis. That's old advice. Right now, we're a special time in history. 2023, if you do your Olarian destiny, and even your haters are like, fuck you, but you're a good artist. What do you talk about on a Saturday night when you're not working? Art. You know, what'd you grow up around? Artists. Be an artist. You can make money out of everything. You can launch Spotify. Launch Etsy. So... The good news, the bad news of this special time, the bad news is if you're super attracted to making money, is a high evidence that you have something emotionally wrong with you. So counterbalance that by not just chasing the mental illness that's driving you, right? To sacrifice yourself for the tribe in a stupid way. Find that Eulerian strength, build around that, and then surprisingly, you often still become as rich as you would have just chasing mercenary. Don't be a gun for hire. You know, no mercenary stuff. You got all these agency guys, might build an agency around a thing. So if a dude's an artist, become work with artistic businesses and run their marketing for them. 
now you're in the game. It might not be your old, you don't have to actually become a full-time artist instantly. That, that is true when your mom's like, there's not that much money in art, but stick around the vicinity mm-hmm. of that. You know, so all your people, you should be running through that Orlarian destiny. So I'll put, I actually, I've got a quiz I'm almost done with, tylopez.com slash destiny. And it'll run through, I'll, by the time this is out, I'll probably have my quiz. Um, I have a motivator quiz too, the four M's, but awesome, anyway. Just want to thank you for making the trip on yeah. the podcast. This is a legendary time. And since you're getting back on social media, yeah. you're coming out with all these products. If you could just let the audience know, like, what the schedule looks like, where they can find everything. Because yeah. I'm sure they're listening at this point. They've just heard so many different frameworks. They probably are not retaining all of it or at least want to dive deeper. How can they do that? Yeah, why don't we put, um, I'll put like the show notes for this. Because I'll probably repost this video. So why don't I put um, tylopez.com slash London podcast. And I'll redirect it to the since I did this in London, tylopez.com. We don't have, we're not using that URL, are we? Tylopez.com slash London podcast. I'll put a lot of all the things I referenced, the books and all that. I'll try, I'll have my team go in. That'd be awesome. And then I'll link back to you all and stuff like that. Good, man. Do thank it, you bro. all thank for you, having me. Yeah, thank you. That was you. my favorite podcast. Yeah, we started at a Miami Heat game. We ended with Osama dying. <laughs> Psychopath. Perfect story, <laughs> Still doing cold outreach the old way? Let me show you what you're missing out on. Remember email verification tools? It's time to ditch them. ListKit verifies your entire email list before you export it. So forget about manually verifying your prospects' emails. Subscriptions? That's old news. ListKit offers you credit-based pricing. Only pay for what you need. No expiration. No long-term contracts. No headaches. Still exporting 25 contacts at a time? Awkward. With ListKit, you can export all your contacts in one go. Plug them into your outreach tool and kickstart campaigns immediately. So what are you waiting for? Click the link below to get priority access to ListKit.